when I moved to New York City as a bright-eyed 20-something, I had no idea how much this town is a baseball town. I thought this was the basketball capital of the world, and it might still be. But make no bones about it. New York City is all about baseball. And when the Yankees are good or in the playoffs, hit the deck. And if I'm being honest, before moving to New York City, I didn't know much about the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. And let me tell you, unless you're from New York or Boston, you don't know much about the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry either. Here's my essay. I once saw a Red Sox fan bold enough to wear his Red Sox hat out on the streets of Manhattan just after the Red Sox had lost to the Yankees in the Bronx earlier that same night. Now, this whole pack of Yankee fans, or maybe they were just New Yorkers, spotted this Red Sox fan, or maybe he was just a Boston transplant, or maybe just had on the wrong fucking hat. Anyways, the New Yorkers started barking at him, and the Red Sox fan, to his credit, just sort of lowered his head and picked up speed. He was focused. Good for him. I think maybe it was the shortest of these New Yorkers who peeled himself off the pack and sort of positioned himself to make sure he'd cross paths with the walking Red Sox fan, and he did. The Boston fan made it a point to avoid any contact whatsoever, and the New York fan did the exact opposite. I couldn't hear if what the New Yorker shouted was a swear word, but the energy of the whole ordeal made it all but certain a swear word was definitely used. I don't remember what the Yankee fan was holding, but I do remember him throwing it at the Red Sox fan's head. And I do remember that it made a great sound. A real thwack. Listen, the Red Sox fan was fine. Not, not, I, I, I don't want to advocate violence here. He shouldn't have done that. This wasn't a cool thing that happened. It was barely funny. But what I learned in that moment was, you're not definitely going to get garbage thrown at your head in New York City if you're a Red Sox fan. But... It also could happen. Here's the long and short of the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. In 1919, the Boston Red Sox traded pitcher come power hitter George Herman Ruth Jr. to the New York Yankees for $125,000. Babe Ruth went on to become perhaps the most iconic baseball player to ever play the sport. The curse of the Bambino caused the Red Sox to lose 86 straight seasons in a row while the New York Yankees won an American professional sports best 27 championships. But in 2003, the Red Sox forced a Game 7 in the Bronx, and in the bottom of that game's fifth inning, Boston was up 4-0. A David Ortiz homer gave Boston a 5-2 lead in the bottom of the eighth, just five outs away from ending the curse, and finally besting the Yankees. But then, New York got rolling. Jeter doubled. Bernie Williams singled in captain. Score now 5-3. Boston left in a tired Pedro Martinez. And Hideki Matsui's ground rule double put men on second and third with Jorge Posada coming to the plate. Georgie fought a pitch off the hands into center field. Both men score. Now the game is tied. The curse grips tighter around the throats of the Boston Red Sox. Game 7 stretches deep into the night and goes to extra innings. Mariano Rivera, the Sandman, keeps the Red Sox scoreless. And in the bottom of the 11th, New York Yankee, and on this night, bench substitute Aaron Boone walks to the plate for his first at-bat of the game. Boston knuckleballer Tim Wakefield gathers himself on the mound, takes the sign, and throws his first pitch to Aaron Boone. Three as Boone hits it to deep left. 
That might send the Yankees to the World Series. Going to hero in Game 7. I can tell you, many a Red Sox fan had garbage thrown at their heads on this fine night. Hit the deck. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, the podcast, Jordan Clarkson, but you can call me Big Fat Taika Waititi. Listen, I don't really think I'm fat per se. I'm heavier than I want to be, but I'm earnestly working on that. I think that's what counts. I do think Big Fat works here in front of Taika Waititi. It sounds fun, Big Fat Taika Waititi. He's a slender man. I'm not even really talented like he is. I'm just ethnically ambiguous. That's all it's based on. Moving forward, today's episode could be sponsored by Taika Waititi. He's a very handsome and talented. He's got a great voice and a great name, and the movies are also really good. Taika Waititi, for when you want to watch a movie or a TV show, but you also want that thing that you're watching to be good, Taika Waititi. Aaron Effing Boone's walk-off home run in Game 7 of the 2003 American League Championship Series to defeat the Boston Red Sox for the New York Yankees is without a doubt a great sports moment. But is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? We have to decide that today, and here to do it with me is a very funny comedian whose Twitter account was named one of Splitsider's 15 funniest Twitter accounts back in 2017, a writer whose work has appeared on GQ, The Cut, Paper Magazine, Above Average, and Bleacher Report. He's also been an on-screen host for both Paramount and Showtime, and of course, one of the hosts of the successful and very hilarious podcast, What a Time to Be Alive. It's Patrick Monahan. Patty Mo, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I love... I love when I uh, the I get the earnest bio read and my own brain reads that as someone making fun of me. That's how that's how the only that's all I can you know. Well, listen, your Twitter account uh, named one of the fifteen funniest back in twenty seventeen. I should probably t- it's been five then. years. Yeah, I should probably I should probably consider that one. Uh, yeah, I don't even think no, Splitsider no. exists anymore, right? As a, as a, so that's a little. <laughs> you put them out of business. They they backed you and people really discredited them for that. Big no, mistake. Yeah. Uh, no, I follow you on Twitter at Patty Mo. I think you're h- hilarious and reached out to you about working together a long time ago because I thought you were very funny and I've followed you ever since. I still think you're, I still think you should be split one of split sliders, uh, funniest Twitter accounts even today. Um, so I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope I'll get that someday. I'll get that Witstream contributor credit. If we're going to go way back, you know, <laughs> Your name is Patrick Monahan, but so is the lead singer of the band Train, which is that one song everybody hates. There's also another comedian named Patrick Monahan in United Kingdom. Are you are you familiar with him? I am. Uh, he Got is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know anything about his work or anything. But but I have been confused. I get tagged in stuff enough yes, that I kind of I kind of feel bad. And uh, and then also uh, one time I did a, a comedy festival and I was mentioned in the newspaper. And uh, they used his picture instead of mine. So that's oh my God. Oh yeah. So it's, who's you know, funnier between the two of you? I I honestly couldn't say. You coward! You fucking coward! I've never seen his stuff. I don't know. I gave you, know. you a real opportunity to bury him on this show, which, yeah. as you know, has massive influence. 
Yeah. You could have buried this guy right here. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I try to keep it I try to keep it nice, you know? I'm not trying to uh I'm not trying to draw the heat. No, I do appreciate that uh you go by Patty Mo. I do appreciate that I can call you Patty on this show. It makes you sound like a real Irish prick. Um, <laughs> are you an Irish prick? Uh I guess so, yeah. You know, when it, when it comes down to it, I, I suppose I am. One of the things I learned about you when I reached out years back now about working potentially working together was you are a lawyer. You pardon, you were a lawyer, or are you still a lawyer? You tell me. Uh, I am. Yeah. Uh, oh I. Yeah. What kind of law do you do? Uh, intellectual property stuff. So trademarks, copyrights, that that kind of stuff. So you're never in court, like standing in front of the judge and going. No, I, I have been. I mean, I, I, that that there's Exciting. a whole there's a whole gamut of stuff you do. You know, whether it's registering things with the trademark office or the copyright office, or you know, litigation. So yeah, there's a there's a mix of stuff. So I have been in front of a judge. Have you ever objected? Have you ever like been like I object? In a deposition, I have. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is exciting. This it's very. It's it could not be less exciting. It's not. Uh, it's not dramatic. It was very boring. <laughs> no, 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 it is dramatic. Just stay. Just go with me here. <laughs> it was a. It was an intellectual property slash murder trial, and uh, <laughs> they were in the see? same case. It was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, let's table set here. I want you to name your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time. Okay. Um, favorite sport is going to be baseball. Uh, Got it. You're white. That follows. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, was, I listened to Sean O'Connor on here, and, and he did a lot of apologizing about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> you know, I like yeah. what I like. You know, I, I like don't know. That. You know, yeah. I, fuck Sean. It's, it's, you know, it, I, I think it's, it scratches all the, all the, it scratches all the right itches. The sample sizes are like really huge. I think all the statistic stuff is interesting. Yeah. I think the, I love the fact that the game isn't over until it's over in a way that That's other sports right. are not. That's um, right. You have to get through it no matter how badly it's going. You have stuff like position players pitching. Cause there's like no one left to do it, you that's know, like right. stuff that's like right. that. I think that's, I think that's fascinating. Um, I know it's a little slow, but I also appreciate that part of it too. I like that you Agreed. can check in and I like that you can check out during the se- check in, check out during the season because it's 162 games. And if you have a sense of kind of where things are in the standings, you know, you can kind of dip out for a little while. You don't have to live and die on every game necessarily. Um, I love you, know. you standing up for yourself here. I really appreciate it. It makes me feel like this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, and so that's, that's favorite sport is baseball. Favorite team is the Yankees, which I also, I guess I will not apologize for. Um, oh, <laughs> it's not a, that was a decision that was not made, you know, when I was in like sixth grade or something. It's not like a, it wasn't like a, you know, bulls, uh, uh, cowboys, Yankees, <laughs> you know, thing or something. Where, wait, where are you from originally? Where are you born? Uh, I, I was born in the city, but I, uh, I you know, by the time I was, uh, like a toddler, we were living in Connecticut. So, but I'm in like the, Listen. I'm in the, You're, I'm in the both part of Connecticut and in, in, where it's, you know, it. one of the Red Sox or Yankees. So, got or it. Mets, I guess, but yeah. To me, if you're born in the city, you can, you can say Yankees and, and, or Mets. Well, not and Mets. You could say Yankees or Mets and be completely fine. If you're born in the city, um, there are a lot, and, and, and I don't begrudge people, from saying they're Yankees fans, if you're anywhere, uh, I had a, I have an older brother who is a big Detroit Tigers fan, and I was without a baseball team as a kid. This is, I'm now going to quickly get into his story. I'm taking away. You still have to answer what your favorite athlete is, but very quickly. <laughs> I was a um, man without a baseball team growing up. I loved Ricky Henderson because of, of, because of fucking course I did. 
uh, that's kind of tells you a little bit about this podcast and what, what the sure. first ballot hall of fame is all about. Uh, Ricky Henderson was my favorite baseball player. He played for the Yankees and he played for the A's and I sort of went where Ricky went, but at the time you didn't do that as a fan of sports. When I was a kid, you had to pick the team. And so I was kind of without a baseball team. And then as I floated around through my, um, you know, my childhood, I found that I was going up to see tigers games with my brother and then sometime as the Tigers were, were getting – were sort of rounding off and becoming good again, I remember asking my brother, could I be a Tigers fan with him? And he said no. And I was an adult for all intents and purposes. And my brother was like, no, you cannot. And I was like, <laughs> fuck you, you son of a bitch. And then my wife was born and raised a Yankees fan. And so we are sort of uh, – you know, Yankee. I'm a Yankee fan now with her. But just because I live here and because my wife is a big Yankee fan. So to me, anyone that – particularly with baseball teams, if you have a favorite baseball team, I appreciate hearing that you were born and raised uh, in the area, but I also don't think that's uh, necessary because um, for me, having a baseball team is important, and I don't begrudge anyone uh, liking a team because my brother was an asshole to me. As far as favorite athlete, I've been thinking about this while we've been, while we've been talking, and I – at a young age, I feel like I just kind of stopped being a like individual athlete person. Like I became right. a very like, you know, I mean, obviously I have people I like on, on a team at a given, you know, like on the, you know, right. different players I like, you know, like Hideki Matsui, I was a big fan. Um, but in terms of like fi- the last time I had like an athlete who was like my guy, yeah. this takes me back to like, I was a big John Starks guy when I was a kid for oh, one reason or another. Come on. Yeah. Um, Great athlete. And that was one, and that was one that, um, you know, when I was a younger kid, uh, you know, I was, I grew up in like 83 or born in 83. So like I was in like the, you know, right when the bulls were like really good is when I was like getting into like middle school and elementary school. And, uh, I was a Michael Jordan fan because everybody was a Michael Jordan fan because he was the coolest person on the planet, you know, when you were a kid. And, you know, I went to, I remember this, I went to a Knicks game with my parents and I was like in bull stuff. And then I was like, this is messed up. I shouldn't be doing this. So then I like became a Knicks fan. You know what I mean? It like, it like happened like very, and I became, I was like, you know, I thought like John Starks, like he used to work at a, at a grocery store. He's like a little guy. He's not afraid of anybody. You know, maybe he tanked the, you know, the, the playoffs that one year, but whatever, you know, like, um, he dunked over Jordan that one time. That was pretty oh, sick. Great. You know, like all, all that stuff, you know, and, and He's exactly the kind of guy that I, you know, the, the baseball equivalent of him is always guys I hate because they're always on other teams. You know, right, right, right. Uh, David yeah, Eckstein, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Pedroia, you know, oh, um, all the kind of like, you know, oh, they didn't think you could do it. I mean, although Brett Gardner right. was like that for the Yankees. So, like, right. I, yeah, 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 and, you know, and I liked him. And, you know, again, he's somebody that. Uh, I would totally hate if he was on another team just from that perspective as well. So, you know, <laughs> why does this guy always have such long at bats against the, Oh God. So, yeah. So I, I guess I'm, I, the first one that jumps to mind is guys, I mean, there's probably somebody in between, but I'm going to go with Starks Cause he was definitely That's the one great. that I was like, he's the coolest, you know? Yeah, so. he is. He's, he's great. I love him. Um, something else that you mentioned is when you were discussing Mets and Yankees, and it's something that Sean, who you've brought up before Sean O'Connor uh, on the episode with um, Bobby Valentine's mustache, Something he mentioned that I has been stuck in my brain since he said it, and I realize it's the truth. You as a Yankee fan, me as a Laker fan, and, and again, I follow the Yankees because of my wife. We don't get magical seasons. It is expected that we are good, that we compete, that we win championships. And every other team gets magical seasons where even if you don't win the title, 
oh, what a great season. All these great things happened. This, you know, perfect moment happened. This no hitter happened, whatever the case might be. But Yankees fans and Lakers fans didn't get special seasons. Uh, and I think that's fascinating to think about. The Mets are going through a phenomenal season right now. I can't believe it's happening. Uh, I'm so excited to see what happens in the postseason. And the Yankees, who, as you mentioned, were absolute terrors to start the year, have regressed since. Everyone's, you know, it's the sky is falling. It's all these terrible things. And the Mets are just coasting because they can have magical special seasons and the Yankees cannot. It's, yeah. And I mean, you know, the, Yankee, uh, the Yankees kind of had that um, in, what was that? I mean, it's a long time ago now, it feels like. But 17, when they were when they kind of half sold at the deadline, they weren't supposed to be good. And then all right. and everything started clicking. Right. Right. You know, I was at a couple of those playoff games. They can't, you know, I was at the ALCS a couple of games. They came very close to getting to the World Series. And it was like, oh, man, like, we're locked and loaded. And then the next few seasons were kind of like, eh, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not one of those like, you know, if they don't win, it's a bust thing. I mean, I, from, from on a macro level, sure. I mean, that's what you're trying to do, right? But I mean, well, I don't know if that's what you're trying to do. I, ha I have some opinions about the way the management is kind of doing things. And they're, they're, there's a lot of feeling among people that they're being just good enough to make the playoffs and they make enough money from whatever they make. And then, you right. know, oh, well, you know, still in pursuit of a ring, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, I... So I'm not like living or dying like they got to fire everybody because they didn't win the World Series. But it's true. Like, you know, you don't. But the flip side to that is, you know, like it's still it's it's a Yankees town, you know, I you know, right. and, and and the Mets, they can do whatever they want to do. They can get on the back page of the post or whatever. If you, you know, but like the second that the Yankees make some horrible free agent signing in the offseason, if this if this season doesn't end well or whatever it is that blows them out, unless the Mets win the World Series, like, you know, it's old news like you know it's you know and that's whether that's justified or not that's just the way it is and that's the uh you know um it's a very like a little brother thing or something i don't know i don't know how yes. else to articulate it um and it's not meant to be patronizing it's a little patronizing but you know um i don't i don't dislike the mets i i i <laughs> i also don't i don't like if the yankees beat the mets i don't like motherfuck the mets the way that Yan right. mets fans do the yankees and it's right, like right, you know right. it, it's that it's that um that Mad Men, the meme from Mad Men, you know, I feel sorry for you. It's I don't think about you at all. It's truly how I feel about the Mets, <laughs> totally. you know? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the most Yankee thing you say today, that right there. Yeah. Um, uh, let's dive into our moment to decide whether Aaron Boone's home run goes into the first bout Hall of Fame. We have to go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential is, as always, analytics. People love stats. They love numbers, particularly in baseball. Loaded. We've got a lot of stats here, Patty. I'm going to go through them. Mm -hmm. If you have something to add, please jump in. Otherwise, we'll just keep going and we can discuss them all at the end. Here we go. The first stat. One. One at bat. One hit. One home run. One run scored. One RBI. One pitch. Aaron Boone was pinch hitting in this moment, pinch hitting in this game. Enrique Wilson started ahead of him because he hits Pedro really well. Aaron Boone gets in, sees one pitch, first pitch, home run, one run scored, one RBI, game winner, walk off, and he just absolutely tattooed it. There have been 59 game sevens in baseball and 146 seasons. In my mind, both of those stats are uh, low. I, yeah. I can't believe there have only been 59 game sevens. I can't believe there are in my head, there have been 750 baseball seasons, something like absurd. Like it goes back to way before, like, you know, it was like where, before 
paper and pencils. To me, baseball's been playing forever. I'm surprised by that. This yeah. was the first Game 7 in Major League Baseball history with two Cy Young winners starting the game in Pedro and Clemens, who've been mentioned. Yep. There had only been one Game 7 where a team came back from a four-run deficit. That was the 1925 World Series. The Pirates beat the Washington Senators. I mean, who cares about that? Those are teams. That's a team that doesn't even like exist. That's like so long ago. <laughs> there had only been five Game 7s and one Game 8 that had gone into extra innings. All yeah. of those had taken place in the World Series except one, which was Boone's in the ALCS. Game eight, I, I was I saw that and was like, what are you talking about? Th there is there was a game eight, 1912 World Series between the New York Giants and the Boston Red Sox. Game two was tied 6-6 when the game was stopped due to darkness. So they had to play a game eight, which went wow. into extra innings. That's amazing. That's 12... how you know it's old. Oh, it got dark, so we had to stop. That's like <laughs> That's exactly right. These are it's adults crazy. doing this. That's crazy. <laughs> Twelve <laughs> playoff series ending walk-off home runs. Ten of those were in the championship series, like this one. Uh, we'll mention some of those later. The Red Sox were five outs away from winning the ALCS and going to the World Series. Yeah. I, for some reason, when baseball people start doing that, when they go, they're five outs away, they were only two outs away or four outs away, whatever it is, it does, the number there matters, that they were only, they only had to do five things, get the guy out. They only right. had to do that five more times before the game would have been over, and the Yankees come back, tie the game, and then, then win it in the 11th. Uh, amazing. Uh, Aaron Boone, here's some Aaron Boone-specific stats, was batting 125 in this series. Yeah, he kind of stunk. They brought they brought him in, and it was like, eh, you know, like a, you know, totally. kind of at best. Yeah, he was zero and five against Tim Wakefield, which is the pitcher he faced in the eleventh inning. He was also living out of a hotel room, which I think is gotta matter. Living out of a hotel room with your wife, not having any calm to go back to after you stunk it up in a in a in a big series when you play for the Yankees. I mean, it's gotta be rough. Boston's Tim Wakefield could have been the MVP of the ALCS before he throws that pitch. Yep. Uh, of course, the famous knuckleballer had won games one and four, only, only allowed three runs in 13 innings. He came out of the pen to pitch the 10th and had a one, two, three inning. And then again, first pitch of the 11th, bingo, Aaron Boone, Yankees win and go to the World Series. This kind of was a turning point too, where I, you know, like there were all these crazy things that happened like with the Yankees where they, they were like on the right side of all these crazy moments, right? Like the walk-off home runs in the 2001 world series, the you right. know, and then, and then this. And since then it feels like it's been, whenever there's been a big moment, it's been kind of at their expense and it started in 04 and it's happened a bunch since I, I, I can't speak to exactly. I couldn't rattle them off, but like there's been a lot of that stuff since then. Um, and it, it's annoying because, I know that it gives people extra joy that it's the Yankees that it's happening to. You that's know what I mean? Right. Like the average that's casual right. fans, like, oh fuck those guys. Great. You know, that's good. <laughs> you know? And and I understand that. But it's still it's just kinda like, can we just not do you know, be on the wrong side of this stuff? Like for you know, but anyway, <laughs> minor complaint. Um but the yeah. next the next credential is the eye test. Patty, what did you see in this moment? Did you see anything in rewatching the play and rewatching the moment? Did you see anything that could put this moment in the first belt hall of fame? And I've watched it a million times. Um, you know, I, 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 um, I think is I it download... an upper deck shot. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's it's regal. It's a it's a bomb. It's glorious. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it I, looks I don't... like it's in the upper deck to me. 
Yeah, let's see. Let's see where it is. Uh, I don't know if it hit the facing of the upper deck. I just think that something like that could matter. To me, upper deck is a really great sports phrase that speaks to the the grandeur of a home run it's an upper deck shot i think this thing hit the facing it looks like it did to me yeah i mean it it definitely looks like it could have scraped it at least it's at the very back sort of it's like the last the first seats that start getting rained on on the lower deck kind of if it's raining because they're not under the overhang you know like uh, and so that's where it landed it was like a moonshot and then it went, it went very high. The camera guy almost loses it from That's whatever right. it, it kind of, you know, he's like zooming in and out and stuff. It's like, you know, and it was also a very decisive home run. So people were celebrating like immediately, basically it was not like a cheapie or anything like that. So yeah, I mean, just, just the, you know, it's like, it's like, you can ask the Red Sox, ask the, 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 the Joe Buck call is like, you ask the Boston Red Sox, they'll tell you. They were five outs away here in the bottom of the, as Boone hits it to deep left, you know, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the call leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, but that's Joe Buck for you. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not a big hater of Joe Buck, but you know, it's, it's, I'm not either. I don't hate Joe Buck. He has become a bit of a persona non grata on this show. There have been a couple times where we go to listen to the call and we go, it's Joe Buck and he added nothing. Yeah, I'm not blaming Joe Buck. I, he seems like a great guy, professional. Uh, you know, I I I don't know anything about seems him. Seems to have a pretty good sense of humor about himself, which you wouldn't sure, expect. Sure, exactly. Like he's not. He doesn't seem. He's not afraid of people like me, fans questioning the call. I will say he didn't add anything to this moment, but. Is that his fault? Let's listen to the call together. Bottom of the 11th inning in a 5-5 game. This is uh, quite a night. Clearly, time is not an ally of the Yankees either. Okay, hold on one second. Clearly, time is not an ally of the Yankees here either. I don't understand what he's saying. I don't either because they they get last licks. Like, what is he talking about? Like, I, I don't. You know, and and it's and baseball could go forever if they needed it to. Well, I think he's talking about probably who's in the bullpen and stuff or so, something. You know, I, I, right, I don't I don't right. remember who was who was available and who wasn't. True. Obviously, Wakefield could probably pitch four more innings. You know, they have a guy right. who can just kind of just kind of go. That's great, great ad. You're right. I think the the other thing worth mentioning here: Joe Buck, Tim McCarver. There's a third person in the booth. Who is it? Brett Boone. That's right. Aaron Boone's brother is in the booth to call this game. <laughs> He's been in the whole series long. He's in here to call game seven. His brother's coming up to bat in the 11th inning of the game of game seven, ALCS Yankees, Red Sox. You'd think that would be incredible. An incredible thing to happen to have this man's brother in the booth. But with respect to Brett Boone, an absolute zero on television. Let's listen again. Well, the they, they, they cut to him crying, you know, what? They, I, I, I want to I pitch you something. Let's listen to this call and we'll discuss it. Here we go. Okay. Bottom of the okay. 11th inning in a five, five game. This is uh, Joe Buck. quite a night. Clearly time is not an ally of the Yankees either. I'll tell you what, it's I've just enjoyed watching it. <laughs> okay. Th- that that is announcer going. I'm going to set you up, Tim McCarver. Add something a little strange. You know, time is a you know. I think you nailed it. I think it's about the players that the Red Sox have in reserve. Tim McCarver takes that little line, hands it to Brett Boone, like, "Hey, let's add on to this here, Brett. Give me the player's perspective on a on an extra inning game here." And Brett Boone just goes, uh, "It's is a lot of fun to watch. A real zero. I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's I've just enjoyed watching it." <laughs> 
Okay, so it's awkward now. There's the awkward laugh. <laughs> and now what does Joe Buck do? What does Joe Buck have to do because Brett Boone screwed it up? Let's listen. I'll tell you what, it's, I've just enjoyed watching it. <laughs> I would imagine that's the sentiment throughout, although the Boston Red Sox and the fans through New England will tell you they were five outs away in the eighth inning, leading by three as Boone hits it to deep left. That might send the Yankees to the World Series. Boom, a hero in game seven. I think Brett Boone screwed it up, screwed up the flow, and Joe Buck had to, like, pick up the pieces and start, like, making it seem like, well, whatever Brett Boone said, I've got to, like, add on to this. Instead of saying... Brett, your brother's coming up to bat in a huge <laughs> spot in this game. I'm not going to blame Joe Buck here. He's done things that I think I, I you know, I, I wasn't in love with. But in this moment, I think Joe Buck is dealing with Brett Boone, really fucking booting this call. I think I, one thing I will say about about Buck there is that he he kind of he he's he can be good at getting out of the way. And he just kind of shut up after that for, I think for a little while. And you hear like this roar of, you know, and there was another one. I forget, I forget when it was, but you know, and and I think this is a reference to like his dad or something, but he says like, and we'll see you tomorrow night or something like that. You know, which again, if he's aping his dad, it's not his own thing, but like, you know, just kind of let the crowd do the talking. Right. And and that's kind of what he did there. Um, And I appreciate that, you know, as much as I have a, love hate thing with John, uh, John Sterling, you know, he's, you know, screeching like a lunatic by this point, you know, um, <laughs> and Michael K, I think is still in the booth at that point too. So they're both kind of going wild or whatever. Um, but this is, you know, you just let it kind of, let it kind of wash over you, you know? Um, I don't know if they cut Brett's mic or what, I don't know how he didn't make any noise when that happened. That's kind of wild tell to you, me. I can speak to that. Brett Boone wrote a book. I read an excerpt when he was talking about this moment. He said in the book, Quote, the director was yelling in my earphone, Brett, say something, but I couldn't. Not without busting out crying, Joe Buck and Tim McCarver, my broadcast partners, were looking at me, waiting for me to speak. A minute passed. I was breaking out in goosebumps, trying to get a handle on my emotions. My lips moved, but nothing came out. Maybe okay. he's maybe he's making that up to make up for I think it's a difficult job and he was almost certainly wrought with emotion. Sure. But it lets something out. Just I mean, even if you're just cheering for your brother, that would have added a tremendous weight to this moment that I think is missing because again, they just the, Buck and McCarver just went silent for the next minute or two. And you're right, they did you mentioned this earlier on. They do cut to Brett Boone in the booth. He does look emotional, but again, no one's saying anything. It, I think it would have helped here to hear a, bro- a big brother, super proud of his younger brother, but you yeah. know, it didn't I mean, happen. it's, it's crazy because it's like, you know, Brett Boone was, he was like a, you know, multi-time all-star, you know, he, he was like, he was definitely like, I mean, they were a baseball family, you know, but they're sons of what Bob Boone. Um, I think their grandpa right. was a, was a player too. Yeah. Um, yep. so, you know, they're, they're all about that life. Um, and, you know, I think if this didn't happen, Aaron Boone, I mean, I, we can talk about this. You know, this is not really germane to this moment, but like, you know, he has the um, the kindness of uh, hurting himself like in a pickup basketball game or something. And they get to like basically void his contract or That's something. Right. <laughs> uh, and that paves the way for the A-Rod trade, which That's for better exactly or worse. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, if this hadn't happened, you probably would not really hear of Aaron Boone again. You know, odds are right. Because there's a million I, guys like him. 
I completely agree. He got brought in halfway through the season, didn't play very well, has this amazing moment, injures himself, A-Rod comes, Aaron Boone's gone, never plays again for the Yankees. He does have more seasons in the league, but not many people remember them. When you think of Aaron Boone, you think of this moment. He's now the Yankees manager. Is there a scenario where Aaron Boone, if he does not hit this home run, is not considered as the Yankees manager? Because Aaron Boone had not managed before the Yankees' job. I think he gets it because he's a Yankee legend because of only this moment. I mean, it, cer- it certainly helped, I think, raising his profile and stuff. But I mean, you know, I, I like to think that management was not making decisions based on that. I mean, I, you know, look, I went to Georgetown and the problem with the Georgetown basketball program is that they keep hiring all of their legends and they have to keep or people that are connected to the program. Right. And they have to keep firing them and or or whatever. <laughs> and you kind of cannibalize your own thing, especially right. when for, I mean, Georgetown's much worse because they haven't like been you know, what they, what everyone knows them for in a very long time, you know, aside from that kind of few years in the, in the late uh, 2000s. And like, you know, uh, are you going to fire Patrick Ewing? You know, Jesus Christ, you know, like, you know, you hope this, you know, (laughs) and so, you know, Aaron Boone is a much lesser version of that, but, but, you know, I don't think this is like a legacy hire in that sense. I think they, you know, for better or worse, they thought, you know, and, and obviously they just signed an extension over the protests of people kind of like me, um, so, you know, clearly they, they like what they're seeing and, and good for him. But yeah, I think this definitely didn't hurt, uh, his chances of getting hired. I don't know if he would have been in a position to be kicking around, you know, to, as a potential, you know, candidate for, you know, maybe he would have managed somewhere else or managed right. in the minors and kind of worked his way up or whatever, you know, bench coach, all that stuff, but, uh, straight to the show this way, you know? Uh, Patrick, before we get on to the next credential, tell everybody about what a time to be alive. It's you, it's Kath Barbadoro. And Eli Uden, how did you guys find each other? How did the show come together? Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's the three of us. Um, it's uh, and our our sort of shadow host, our producer Shelby, who uh, he has like a text to speech thing he uses. So he's and he use, does that in sound drops. So he's like uh, we always joke he's like Bumblebee in Transformers. He doesn't actually talk, <laughs> but he's a participant. Um, he uh, so we, we we all met just doing stand up and stuff. Um, and not too long after Kath moved to New York. We took a, uh, a fateful uh, lift ride out to uh, to Cobra Club from uh, Kat did our stand-up show in uh, in the East Village. Cobra Club is out in Bushwick, and we had a, so we had a long car ride, and uh, we just did a ton of uh, shit talking, probably uh, other comedians <laughs> and whoever. And uh, Eli was playing, I believe, uh, a classic bit. He was playing the uh, Darren Aronofsky WTF on the uh, <laughs> on the car radio. Um, and, uh, no, we just, we just, I know we really, we, we hit it off. You and I were friends already and we, and we knew Kath just from online or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just, you know, we came up with the idea, uh, Shelby, uh, pitched doing a podcast. Um, and the three of us kind of worked out what we wanted to do. And it's basically a, uh, it's like the least topical news show. Um, it's <laughs> a countdown of five stories every week that make you say the thing that's the title of the podcast. It's usually, animals escaping or uh, somebody falling through a ceiling, you know, or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's goofy local news stuff. We, for a little while at the beginning of like everybody at the beginning of like, you know, we started the show in 2017, there was a little bit more political stuff maybe, but that was just not fun for anybody. So we've kind of veered far away from that. (laughs) People can get that stuff elsewhere. So uh, yeah, it's, you know, we try, we try to make it light and uh, you know, yeah. So how long have you guys been, how long have you guys been doing it now? Some almost Uh, like you guys coming up on 300 episodes. Uh, yeah, we're definitely, yeah, it's October, 2017 is when we started. So, wow. uh, it's, it's a weekly thing. So yeah, it's been a long time. It's kind of crazy. That's been that long actually. Uh, yeah, that's nuts. 
but uh yeah we're you know we're, we're we have fun it's it's uh it's a good time so yeah definitely definitely uh definitely check it out you guys are great together it's a lot of fun everybody should listen what a time to be alive the next credential is our test of time. That's when we compare this moment against other moments like it. I mentioned there are 12 playoff series ending walk-off home runs. A shit ton recently. Chris Taylor for the Dodgers 2021 and a wild card. Jose Altuve in the ALCS in 19. Edwin Encarnacion. Travis Ishikawa for the Giants. Maglio Ordonez 06 ALCS for the Tigers who I'm not a fan of because my brother wouldn't let me be Chris Burke for the Strohs and then the 05 NLDS Ortiz in 2004. I think that's one to consider Boone's here in 03 Todd Pratt in 99 Joe Carter iconic 93 Chris Chambliss in 76, which we'll talk about and Bill Mazeroski for the pirates in 60. I think the ones to sort of compare this to, uh, to me, Joe Carter stands far and away World Series game winner in a World Series to walk off and win. I don't think you can beat that. The ones I think to compare it to are David Ortiz because it happened the year after and yep. the Red Sox won the championship. So if you if you can put Ortiz's series ending NLDS game three series winning home run above Boone's because the Red Sox went on to win. Maybe Aaron Boone doesn't make the Hall of Fame. We, we got to ask these tough questions. The other one I think to compare it to Chris Chambliss in 76. Have you seen Chris Chambliss's uh, series walk off in 76? Oh, yeah. Five well, home he, run? he has to basically like punch people to get them out of his way. It's crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, go watch it right now. It's on our uh, on our Instagram at first ballot HOF. Chambliss is just absolutely trucking dudes to get around. The Yankee Stadium explodes. The game's not even close to being over, and the field is full of people, and Chambliss is just absolutely laying dudes out. It's phenomenal. It's just like the, the field is suddenly full of every mugger from Death Wish. They're all just running around, <laughs> you know, and it's and he's just <laughs> forearm shivering all of them. Oh it's, my God, yeah, it's, so it's really wild. Um, uh, for that reason, I'm going to put Chambliss above it. The question is, Ortiz, what's the better game-winning home run? Well, I Ortiz mean, is in 04 or, or, or Boone in, in 03. Yeah, so I would just go Boone because it's game seven, because the stakes are higher. Um, Ortiz has his share of fucking walk-off home runs in that same playoffs. You know, the one, you know, the right. ones in the CS are arguably bigger than that. You know, right. they, they, you know, the, the angels got steamrolled. You know, that was not a very, there was not a lot hanging in the balance there. It was also, it was a sweep, right? So it wasn't yes. like, that's right. it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it wasn't a winner take all seven. on both sides. Okay. Um, so, yeah. You know, and not to take away from, look, you know, he was somebody that, you know, uh, I'm still waiting to find out about, you know, I know he was doing like the look for the real killers thing about that test he popped positive on. I don't know if he ever got to the bottom of that, but um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, but, but, you know, he was somebody that he was just like, <laughs> oh shit, you know, he would come up and, uh, you know, and look, he seems like an, you know, I know I get why everyone loves him. And I just have to say that about that thing. I know that was not supposed to be made public. It was leaked. It was, it doesn't count or whatever. You get all that. You get all the stuff from anybody who's a Red Sox fan. They have all kinds of reasons why that's not a big deal, but, um, you know, who cares? Who cares about any who of cares? it? Listen, <laughs> no, I appreciate you bringing it up. I, I think I agree with you. I think I'm going to go Boone over. Geez, that could matter here as we get to the finish line. I learned a lot about this moment by prepping for this episode. Most of the moments we talk about, I either watched on TV, I've sort of relived online or in a documentary, that sort of thing. I wasn't at this game. I did live in New York at the time. 
I wasn't at the game, but I did go to a sports bar to watch it, and that never happens. One, <laughs> I don't like people. Two, I went to a bar to watch the NBA Finals in 2004 when the Pistons beat the Brakes off the Lakers. I thought for certain the Lakers were going to come back and win. <laughs> and as I watched them lose the championship in a bar with people and friends, and I was like, oh, my God, my favorite team just lost. I was like, this is hell, and I'll never do it again. The only reason I went to the bar that night to watch the game was because, one, I was friends with a bunch of Red Sox fans. We went to a Red Sox bar. Oh boy! To me, I was sort Where'd of you go, Professor Tom's. Where? Where? I don't. You go? Rec- I don't remember that? where it was. All I remember is the whole bar was Red Sox fans, and they were all talking big, giant shit like mm-hmm. Dolby surround, 8K Samsung, LED screen, big time <laughs> bullshit, and it was. Why? I mean, the same way you t- mentioned that you were sort of doing the whole reverse jinx. Hey, you guys deserve it. Every fan I was with at the time, they were all going counting down, and everyone was so excited. They were talking about the curse. It was it was like a movie. It was like if you wrote a movie about this moment, and they did whatever that Fallon movie is about the Sox being breaking the curse. Every Red Sox fan I was a friend with, they were dismissive of the curse. They were talking about how it was over, about how they were going to beat the Yankees in the Bronx. Game seven. Everyone was so excited. And when Boone hit that home run, my guess is there were about 15 to 20 people in the bar. And it was all the bartenders, which was very funny to see sort of the the, the juxtaposition (laughs) of the fans getting crushed and the bartenders going nuts. I remember distinctly turning around and there was a person standing on the like, what's that game where you slide the puck and there's the sand on the table? Oh, uh, shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. There's a person standing on the shuffleboard just screaming and right outside the doors. New Yorkers are losing their minds and I'm in this Red Sox bar and I'm thinking (laughs) at some point we have to open these doors and you all have to spill out into the streets. And it was just a very um, crystalline memory that I have that's burned in of watch of being, you know, not really again supporting the Yankees, but wasn't raised a Yankee fan more of a Ricky Henderson guy, but watching all of these Red Sox fans get crushed live it was really amazing and for that reason i knew nothing about this moment all i knew because i wasn't able to listen to to joe buck or or tim mccarver or brett boone booting the call i didn't hear any of these things i'm only hearing this as i prep for this episode tell me a bit more about your experience as you were watching this live yeah i mean it was you know i mean i mean you what you described was basically like an entire bar of people that were just uh adam sandler at the end of uncut gems right it was like this is it we did it baby like i can't believe it you know and 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 like and and, you know you can talk about that about this now because now like i don't think i don't think Sox fans even give a shit about this because the next year like you know what i mean like and that's that's a that's a question about the longevity of this and all that you know but at the mo at the time when it happened it was like the end of the world or the greatest thing that ever happened. Right. Like I, I, you know, I was, you know, was, I'd had a few drinks and (sighs) was just kind of, you know, I mean, at this point I was a little bit happier. Okay. It was, you know, cause it was back to a tie game. It wasn't like it was over. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I, I I can picture my, you know, my shitty, uh, well, you know, it was, it was nice enough, but we were not the cleanest people or I was not one of the cleanest people. I'm not going to blame my roommates. (laughs) Um, we were in Village B in uh, Alumni Square, whatever they call it, in uh, in in Georgetown. We were in the basement apartment, 
and I remember walking like they had like bathrooms by the bedroom bathroom was by the bedrooms and then there was like a narrow kind of kitchen area where like that would be like and, and where the keg would be like in the hall you know because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the keg is there and everyone's standing in the fucking hallway blocking any way to get to or from right. the bathroom because they're all standing around the keg but this wasn't like a keg party or anything but that's I'm just trying to get give you the layout of the place and then the TV was in the uh, in the living area, which was uh, sort of on the other end of, uh, you know, it was like a dumbbell shape almost. You know what I mean? Like right. bedrooms yep. here, narrow thing. And so I was probably coming out of the bathroom or something because this is like right at the start of the inning, obviously. It was the first pitch of the yeah, inning. First pitch. So it was like, you know, I, I, I didn't time it right or whatever, or I took an extra second or something. And I, I came out and I I saw the hit, but the ball was basically already in the air by the time I was like in the room. And then I just started running around like a lunatic, you know? Um, <laughs> and, you know, and again, my, my, my friends, you know, who are, who are still my friends who were, who are the Boston fans. Then they got what they wanted the next year. So I don't feel bad about it anymore. <laughs> um, there was a Boston area club at Georgetown that I was a member of cause I grew up in Connecticut. Um, and I, I sent an email to the Boston area list serve. I will own up to this. Uh, <laughs> there's no record of that anymore. It was something along the lines of like Aaron fucking Boone, you know, whatever. And it was the kind of thing where like, it was written in such a way that, um, you might not, you might've thought it was being sincere. Like it wasn't sarcastic, you know, right. it's like another 86 years. Like, it, you know, like a, like a sad sack guy complaining, right. but I was actually being a shitty gloating guy. Um, <laughs> So that was, I think that's something I remember doing. And then, uh, and that's that. So, yeah, so it was, it was, it was kind of muted after that. Um, but, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a huge, it was huge for me. I, I remember people hanging out of cars as I walked back to the subway to go home. Yeah. That was also when I, um, devised my, um, text rule for texting fans of teams that just lost i won't send anything night of because i remember texting the guy who i watched the game with as i got home and he was like i don't want to talk about it and i was like got it <laughs> got it and now right. i will not text day of i'll send one the next day hey man it was a great season you guys played great so sorry um, but I won't do it day up because of, of that night. The next credential press conference. Any good sound bites from this? I want to play a clip of Aaron Boone right after the game talking to the field reporter, on field reporter. Listen to this. Uh, sitting over there tonight and it wasn't looking good. And, you know, bullpen came in and held them and, and we just pecked away. And, and like Derek told me, the ghosts will show up eventually. And, and they did, man. I mean, this is this stupid. It really was at the time, and again, I'm completely biased because I'm in a room chock full of Red Sox fans. It really did feel like this, like that concept of Jeter saying the ghosts were going to come back eventually, we're going to come out eventually. It really felt like, oh, that's what happened here. Like this curse is legit and it's real, and it felt the most, in my time, in my lifetime, it felt the most like maybe there's a is there a chance that there's an actual baseball curse and that it actually matters and it's and it's showing and it's rearing its head right now in this moment. Uh, Jeter saying that about the ghost, it, it was sort of the pinnacle of this 86 year curse in this moment. It reached this insane height where Neil, the non-Yankees fan, is going. Now hold on, our curse is real. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it had to do with, I mean, Schilling had that famous line about Mystique and Aura sound like two strippers or whatever, right? right, and, right, right. And, and and they lost in 07, but, or in 07, in seven games in 01. But, you know, that that whole series had like an insane kind of 
otherworldliness to it that I don't think that really punctured, you know, the the legend much. The next credential is the MVP, the most valuable part. What's the most valuable part of this moment for you, Pat? Um I mean, it's there's not it's not a very long thing, I guess. I mean, you can see you know, I've watched it so many times. I remember I downloaded I think I pirated like the full game. I guess it must have been right on like Kazaa or one of those insane things, you know, back then. Cause there was no YouTube. There was no like, you know, um, so it was like, you know, ALCS game seven, you know, uh, a bunch of, and then I said like DivX or something, you know, dot AVI right. or whatever, you know, one of those, you know, whatever, like, and like, I don't know. I mean, like the moment itself, is great the jumping around, you know, Mariano running up to the, to the mound, yes. you know, and throwing himself on it. I, for me now it's seeing these guys who I totally forgot existed, like Karim Garcia, yeah. like jumping <laughs> up and down. Uh, the, I love the first pitch. I love that it happened on the first pitch. I think that's really meaningful. It's, it's tantamount to, although definitely not the same to making in a dunk contest, making the dunk on your first dunk. When you make a great dunk on your first attempt, it makes the dunk better. And I'm oh, yeah. saying the same thing here. First pitch, home run, if it hit the upper deck, all of those things matter here. It just adds a little something. First pitch, upper deck, home run, game seven, Yankees, Red Sox, Aaron Boone didn't start the game. Like All of this stuff matters to this moment. A lot of things had to line up to make that what it was. For sure. The next credential is our X factor. Everyone knows what an X factor is. What is the X factor of this game? I submit that the X factor X factor here has to be Pedro Martinez throwing Don Zimmer to the ground. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, game three, the series is tied 1-1. The Sox score two in the first to take the lead. The Yankees score one in the second off a Kareem Garcia line drive. He comes back here in a second. The Yankees score off a Jeter home run to tie it up. It's 2-2. In the fourth inning, Posada walks, Nick Johnson singles, and the Yankees have men on first and third. Matsui then hits a ground rule double, and Posada scores. Johnson moves to third. Pedro then plunks Kareem Garcia. He throws behind his head. Pedro starts threatening Jorge Posada in the dugout, telling me he's going to throw at his head. The Yankees end up sliding into the Red Sox second baseman hard. The bottom of the very next inning, Roger Clemens, no stranger to throwing it, guys, goes right at Manny Ramirez's head. The bench is clear, and then it happens. This insane moment where 72-year-old bench coach Don Zimmer charges Pedro Martinez. I'm here to say that Don Zimmer looks every bit of a 72-year-old 72-year-old man as Pedro throws him to the ground. It's just crazy. Here's the moment as it happens. Uh, I believe Joe Buck is calling this as well. Oh, my goodness. Don Zimmer and Pedro Martinez. Oh. <laughs> Don Zimmer, a 72-year-old man, went into Pedro Martinez's face, and Pedro Martinez threw him down. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's an insane moment. And the, Pat, and the crowd is immediately screaming, Yankees suck, because they're in Fenway. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, Can, it's, um, yeah. Imagine a world where that happens today, with a 72-year-old man thrown down by a multi-hundred millionaire you know, purse guy with hundreds of millions of dollars throws an old man down on the field of play with Twitter and social media in full bore. What is that like today? 
I mean, he, he, I mean, he pitched four games later. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's cr- like, there's no world in which he's not, you know, Suspended. something, there's oh, not some totally. consequence, you know? Amazing. I mean, it's, and I don't remember if there was some delayed thing that didn't want to let it affect the, you know, the outcome right. of the series or something, right. but like, I don't know, dude, like it should affect the outcome. If you do something, you know what I mean? What if he, you know, like if you hit a guy with a sword in the, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like if you do something bad, like there should be consequences, you know, but I mean, again, I'm not opining on what, what should or shouldn't happen with what, you know, with in terms of suspensions or whatever, but it looks, I mean, like Don Zimmer looks like, he looks like the general from the commercials of marching out. And Pedro is not a big guy. He's like five, nine, right? Like for a pitcher, he's notoriously not a big guy. And he just, you know, he basically like twists him like a, like a beer bottle, you know, like he's open it, and it, by his head and just kind of throws him down. It's, he looks it, like the animated general from the general commercials. You're exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's truly, he grabs him by the head and he, and he just kind of twists him and he, he goes really down. Does. It's like and it's like Steven Seagal Aikido. He just flips him right onto his back. It's so much. And listen, Zimmer doesn't look like he's going over there to like have a quiet conversation. He's no, clearly no. rushing him. I'm not yeah. going to say you should have thrown the old man down, but it was, again, as a guy who didn't have a horse in the race, again, supporting the right. Yankees, but not a Yankees fan in the moment. Just a tremendous moment. It really added to the gravitas of this series. And like Yankees fans wanted to win because of this moment. They wanted Pedro to lose game seven because he had previously thrown down this 72-year-old bullfrog general that sells insurance. Yankees wanted blood. He was doing a lot of shit that you could not do now. He looked when, totally. when you mentioned he threatened Posada, he was pointing at his head yes, and then pointing yes. at Posada. Like, you can't do stuff like that anymore. Like, uh, got, Patty, I see the clock running out on us. It's almost time for our segment. More important. Have you heard more, more important yet, Patty? I have not heard more important. Perfect. Yet. Patty, the question is to you. What have you learned from living through this COVID pandemic? It's a tough question, you know, because there's a lot. Oh, I'm so sorry, Patty. We don't have time for that because it's time for something more important. Patty, I'm going to ask you a series of questions with a fake timer counting down. Rob, play the music here. It should be playing already. You have to answer these questions, and your answers to these questions will be more important than anything else you've said so far in this show. Are you ready for more important? I am ready. Here we go. Number one, who is your second favorite comedian you cannot say your favorite? Uh, Paul F. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins is a real professional. I would love him on the show. Number two, what is your favorite animated movie? Lion King. Oh, that's a terrible answer. It's fantastic, fantastic, Mr. Fox, is what you should have said. Number three, Okay. please name a song that just rips. Name a song that totally rips. I'm buying you some time to think of an answer, but I do need a song that totally fucking rips. The Outfield, Your Love. Oh, that is a great song. <laughs> I love that song. That would have been played at the bar that played all 80s music. Uh, the next question, number four, your co-host, you and your co-host, Kath Barbadora, your huge wrestling people, name your favorite professional wrestler and what is your favorite finishing move? Okay, I'll go favorite finishing move first because I need a second to buy some time. Okay. Uh, Stone Cold Stunner because... <laughs> because everybody's answer so far. 
Well, okay, it's it's a, it's a kind of a hack answer, but you can. It, it, the reason it's so good <laughs> it's is because you, you can do it all day to anybody. You don't yes. have to pick anybody up. You, yes. Nobody has to be athletic to do yep. it. But I mean, theoretically, anybody can take a good stunner, and he can obviously give it to anybody. So yes. <laughs> he can do it, it now. To anybody. So to me, that that is that is the the genius. It's a great answer. The genius move. Uh, favorite wrestler. If I'm going, uh, Kevin Owens, um, oh. which is another which is a, another hack answer. Um, he's no, the he's the he's the wrestler who looks the, the reason I have a, my theory is in addition to him being great on the mic and great in the ring, the reason that he has such a, a following of like internet wrestling people and just indie wrestling fans is that he's the guy who looks the most like the creative player a wrestler that everyone made that's a wrestling <laughs> fan because it's all bigger white dudes with beards yes. and that's you know he looks like them. It's when like I made myself in, in No Mercy, you know, on N64, <laughs> that's what I looked like. That's you know? right. Great so. answer. Uh, and the last question, who is your dream? This is the music's playing. We've got to keep going. Who is the dream guest for your podcast, What a Time to Be Alive? Uh, I would say Freya the Walrus, who was uh, terrorizing <laughs> Norway, but she was euthanized, so I guess it can't be her, oh, so RIP. No. RIP to Freya. <laughs> Uh, Travis the Chimp is one of my favorite news stories of all time. It should be front page news every day until I'm dead. Uh, the next category is the – you did great, by the way. You did great. The music can stop. You did great on More Important. That was a lot of fun. The next credential is our cosign. The question is to you, Patty. Should Aaron Boone's walk-off game winner in the 2003 ALCS Game 7, should it be in the first bout Hall of Fame and why? I think it should as an as an artifact of a rivalry that is no longer kind of what it was and right. and a thing that was no longer you know right. and a curse that doesn't exist or whatever right. you want to call it a drought yes. but you know as as we've said you know we had bucky dent you know in the 70s and the, you know and it's like there's nothing that could be crazier than that you know and the red Sox had their own pro- you know right. they had the the mets in 86 but it was just like there's nothing that could top how insane this is and it's like nope like this is, this is because you know, they can't play each other in the World Series, right, so it cannot right. get bigger than this. Yes, and these are two Great teams point. firing on all cylinders, and this is this is as, as crazy as an outcome as it can be. And I, people will probably disagree with me and say that the O four is more unlikely because it was a uh, you know no one's ever come back from down three nothing, uh, but um, but this was in terms of like a single moment. Yes. You know, this was this was kind of it. Now that you know, I'm sure the Dave Roberts steal is the thing that goes in. Maybe this is like, a, and I know this is not the Veterans Committee uh, podcast, but maybe <laughs> it gets in as like a Veterans Committee thing. Maybe not in the first ballot, but you know, as like you know, when it's reconsidered, if, you know, a decade later, it gets in. I appreciate your candor. It's a great answer. I love your point. They can't play in the World Series, so you have to. There's an you have to check down immediately. This is as good as it can get, and you're right. Oh four maybe is better, but. I don't think that necessarily that should take away from this moment. It's time for the induction speech. That's when me, Neil, I get to decide whether this thing goes in. I'm going to take everything into account that we've said on this, including some of his more important uh, answers. Patty had a lot to say, and I think he made some great points. The matter of stakes has a real impact on this show. It can single-handedly swing a decision one way or the other, and it has already on previous episodes. The stakes here were very high, a trip to the World Series. But as we've mentioned previously, the Yankees lost to the Florida Marlins. Tell me anything about the World Championship Series for the, that, the, that the goddamn Florida Marlins won. Tell me anything about that team. You can't. Don't even try. This is embarrassing watching you try to tell me something about the Florida Modcast. I'm a podcast host. I can't hear you. You hear me. 
This isn't a phone call, you ding dong. Quit being a ding dong. The point is Boone and the Yankees lost the title to a team that doesn't matter, will never matter, and they have two World Series rings. That sentence is still true. They'll never matter. A truly embarrassing loss for the Yankees, and the Red Sox got their revenge in the most embarrassing fashion just a year later. This Boone home run felt triumphant in the moment, but now, given what's transpired since, it's hard not to see it as the last gasp death knell for the curse of the Bambino. But that's just it. The curse of the Bambino. One of the great curses in all of sports and one that didn't just survive by chance. It took hard work, terrible losses, great wins, and impossible collapses. Just because the curse of the Bambino is over doesn't mean we shouldn't remember it fondly and commemorate it with moments like Boone's. Patty is exactly right. The Yankees-Red Sox rivalry is all the stakes you need in this moment. Derek Jeter was right. The ghost did show up one last time, and that ghost name was Aaron Effing Boone. Congratulations to Aaron Boone, the New York Yankees, and our guest, Patty Monahan. Your moment has made the first ball hall face. We did it. You nailed it. You said everything. You made the exact point I was going to make just before I made it in your cosign. I'm, I'm I'm crying like Brett Boone. That's why I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Patty, how can everyone follow you? Thank you so much for doing the show. How can everybody follow you? What do you have to plug? Um, I am uh, Patty Mo, P-A-T-T-Y-M-O, on uh, basically just Twitter and Instagram. I don't really have any other stuff. Um, uh, I, I can't do video content, so I'm not, you know, so I'm never going to get an agent or anything, you know, uh, so I don't do TikTok. Uh, but uh yeah, the podcast is What a Time to Be Alive. Um, I've also got another podcast that is sort of a um, periodical one, or uh, a periodic one that I do with uh, Nicole Conlon, who is a, also a very funny comedian um, and comedy writer. Uh, we it's called Not You Guillermo. It's a we did a recap of uh, last season of What We Do in the Shadows, and we just did a uh, mid season recap, one episode for the first six or so of this season. Uh, we'll probably we'll probably do another one. So you know we're doing that. We were we were on a network last season. We uh, that network no longer does podcasts at all. So we are uh, self producing, which means we are not producing except for once every six episodes or so. So check that one out, I guess. If you're what we do in the shadows, the Taika Waititi uh, production. I believe. There we go. Back to go. Back, back to the, to the back to the beginning. Incredible callback. Bad totally intentional. So <laughs> thanks so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. you. Were great. Thanks for having me. That's it. That's the show. My thanks to Mr. Patrick Monahan for coming on. I appreciate you, sir. Thanks to the team, Robert, Ruchi, Jessica, Sang, and Rhythm J. And thanks to you all for listening. We're taking some questions and comments from the audience and using them on the show for an end-of-the-year episode. If you have a question you want to ask, if you just want to disagree with me on a decision I've made, if you want to correct me for something stupid I said, if you want to complain about the show or call me out, please record a voice note with your phone and send it to us first ballot pod at gmail.com or you can also send questions and comments into our social to at first ballot pod on twitter at first ballot hof on instagram hit us up bonus points for insults and come back next week for more first ballot i'll tell you what it's i've just enjoyed watching it (laughs) 